Yep. Family, if you would, make a note that how great is our God. <laughs> and remember that, uh, despite what happens during the week, let's just sing that to yourself. Let that get into your spirit. Despite the ups and downs, as we'll see in the word today, how great is our God. Thank you, Lord. There's none like you. Remember Psalms 145 and 3. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is beyond understanding. Can't understand it. It's unsearchable. It's how great our God is. That's a great God that we serve. Make a note of it. Meditate on it. I've been meditating on that all week, and then it just helps me just to not worry, not to stress, because God is great, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is beyond understanding. I'm not supposed to understand everything that's going on. That's why I have to trust in the Lord. As Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. Acknowledge God in all our ways, and he will direct our path because he's that great. Thank you, Lord, for your greatness, and we love you for being great. That's why we pause right now to bless you and to thank you, Lord, because you are that great. A few announcements this morning. I want to thank you so much for your giving. Uh, it allows us to continue to be a blessing to all around the world through the different ministries and missionaries that we support. So thank you so much. Um, if you're on your laptop, you go to southbayalc.com, push the giving icon and give accordingly. If you're on your phone, you push the three bars, go to southbayalc.com, go to the three bars on the side, uh, push the bars, then click giving, give accordingly for checks, money orders, um, make it payable to SBALC, and you can mail it to 3553 Atlantic Avenue, B, uh, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. Let me say that again. Make payable to South Bay SBALC or South Bay Abundant Life Church, 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. And thank you so much for your giving. It allows us to do so much in a, in a world that desperately needs to hear a solid, beautiful word from God in a world that's filled with a lot of noise today. Uh, I wanna invite you all to join us for Bible study. It's just been amazing, it's been powerful. Um, you, you, you have to join, uh, or I'm, I'm suggesting and requesting that you join us at least once a month, uh, Wednesday night from 6.30 to 7.30. I know things come up, maybe you can't make it each uh, Wednesday night, but, but press and push hard to be there at least once. Uh, this Wednesday, we are in 1 Kings chapter five. It has been an incredible study. God has been giving us the formula of how to connect with him, the formula for how, how to have peace in our life. It is a beautiful, uh, it is a beautiful thing when we go through the word, break down the principles that God is teaching in the word, apply them to our life and then experience the abundant life that God has given us through Jesus Christ. So uh, I want to encourage you all to uh, attend Bible study Wednesday nights. And again, this Wednesday, we are first Kings chapter five, six thirty to seven thirty. And then thank you for those of us who've given us you've given us the privilege to pray for you and uh, send the email to life at southbayalc.com, life at southbayalc.com. 
for your prayer requests, prayer needs, and thank you for the praise reports as well. Um, new members class will be in a couple of weeks. New members class part two will be in a couple of weeks. Um, I believe it's Sunday. Matter of fact, no, it's next week. It's Sunday, November 18th. Uh, if you're interested in new members, um, please send an email to life at South Bay ALSC. I'll get you the Zoom link for the new members class and uh, you will be blessed. That is November, um, uh, November, I'm sorry, October 18th from two to three, uh, next Sunday, new members class. I'm way ahead going to November. So um, believe that's it for today. Um, and let's get into the word. So thankful for the word this morning. Let's go ahead and pray and then we will start jumping into the word. Lord, we love you. We bless you and we thank you, Lord. We need you. So grateful, Lord, for for you, for your word, the blueprint, the roadmap, the treasure, the light, uh, the word that is guaranteed by God, the word of God guaranteed by God. Oh, Lord, we're so thankful that is guaranteed in the midst of temporary, in the midst of a world of temporary stuff. We have the word of God that never fades away. We have the word of God that is guaranteed by God. We thank you, Lord, that it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It illuminates the way, Lord, as we try our best to navigate daily through a dark, fallen world. So, Lord, we, we're praying and we're asking and petitioning now, Lord, give us revelation that leads, for transform, that leads to transformation, God, and application. Let us apply this word to our life that our, wife, that our life may never be the same. Our walk will never be the same because of the word of God. Bless your people to hear. Holy Spirit, lead, guide, and direct us. Um, we open our hearts and minds to receive what God is speaking to us this morning. Lord, we desperately need you today. Not opinions, not noise, not suggestions, not theories, our conspiracy theories. Give us your word. May it penetrate our heart and our minds and may we live accordingly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16. So we finished uh, or continue the series on the Good Shepherd. Um, in, in, this, uh, in this particular passage of, of Scripture, it speaks of hope. Um, it speaks of ministering to the lost and it speaks of prayer. So a good shepherd uh, provides hope, direction ministers to the lost, um, and it includes prayer. So as, as we pick up the, um, the, the commentary, you know the story very well because we've been going over it. We have Paul and Silas at, the, at one of the lowest points of their life, just been beated, hum, beaten, humiliated, and thrown into the inner prison. Um, and instead of complaining, they choose to praise, worship, and pray to God and don't keep it a secret where others can hear them. So make a note, we'll start with the revelation that God's given, uh, given me through the word. We'll start with that. Um, that we have hope in the midst of a hopeless situation. That there is hope in the midst of a pandemic. There is hope in the midst of a hopeless situation. Paul and Silas' situation seems hopeless. Then it shifts and the jailer situation seems hopeless. Um, 
And then there is always hope through Jesus Christ, regardless of your situation. That's the revelation. There is always hope. It, it shifts. It'll change. Uh, one phone call away, one doctor's visit away, one accident away, and you go from hopeful and on the road of wherever you think you're going, and then it seems hopeless. But with God, nothing's hopeless, and through Jesus Christ, it shifts, and there's always hope. Make a note, make a note. There's always hope in the midst of hopelessness. Look at um, Acts 16 and 25 says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. You should have prayed and sing praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them at midnight. So Paul and Silas gives us an insight on how to handle humiliation, uncertainty, oppression and bondage. Make a note. Here's the they give us insight. And think about this family, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, relational or emotional bondage. Paul and Silas prayed. They worshiped petition God and sing praises and make a note. It was at the lowest point of their life. It's not when it was money in the bank and, and, and they were, they could see a future and they had just retired and the, uh, the 401k, 401k looks beautiful. It wasn't that situation. It was in the inner prison chained in the stocks and they're singing praises and worshiping God. There's always hope in the midst of hopelessness by running to God and not running from God. They sing loud enough that the other prisoners heard them. Make a note. That's why David said in Psalms 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times, regardless of what's happening. I will bless. I will barack the Lord at all times. I will salute. I will congratulate. I will praise God. I will adore. I will cherish. I will rave about God at all times, regardless of what's going on in my life, because there is hope in the midst of hopelessness through Jesus Christ. There's hope in the midst of COVID. There's hope in the midst of the pandemic. There's hope in the midst of the civil unrest. There's hope in the midst of everything that seems to be falling apart. There's hope through Jesus Christ. Make a note of it. That's why he said, I will bless the Lord at all times is what David said in Psalms 34, 1. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And, 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 and let, me, let me say this too, family. Make a note of this. We will never grow in God, if we are fair weather Christians, let me say it again. We will never grow in God if we're fair weather Christians. We can't serve and commit to God only when things are good. I know it's not a popular message, but we can't. You don't know what you're made of until you put to the test. Until God tests you to let you know what's in your heart. That's what he told him in, uh, in Deuteronomy 8 and 2. He said, I sent you through the wilderness so you could see what was in your heart. I already know. But if you don't go through the wilderness, you don't know. You're walking around lying to yourself and thinking that you're something that you're not. God has to test us. God has to send us through the wilderness. God has to put us in situations that are uncomfortable and seem like there's no hope so we can trust God. And we see that there is always hope in the midst of hopelessness. We can't we can't commit and and serve God only when things are comfortable and convenient. Psalms 119.71, David said, it was good that I was afflicted. It was good that I was humiliated so then I could learn to trust God. Let me say that again. Make a note, Psalms 119.71, David said, it was good that I was humiliated and afflicted. Then I was able to trust God when I came to the end of myself. 
We must practice every day being Christians. We must be practicing disciples and practicing Christians of God, um, followers of God. We can't be, it, Christianity is not, a, it's not like sports where you, it's a spectator, you just go sit and watch. Uh, it's not like entertainment, like a movie where you just watch and go, wow, that was good. You have to be practicing this every day. God's not looking for perfection. God is looking for practice. Every day I'm practicing to be better for God. I'm practicing every day. I'm not a spectator Christian. I'm not a private eye Christian. I'm not trying to hide. I'm not trying to hide my light under a bushel. It's not about perfection. It's about practice. What you practice, you will get good at. Practice reading the, reading the word of God. Practice fasting. Practice singing. Practice praising, practice humility, practice worship, practice reading the word daily. Even if it's just for five minutes, you will get good at it. We're practicing Christians, as my brother Jerry would say. We're not spectators watching a game or a sports or movie. We're practicing. And then we have to go through. Paul and Silas gives us the perfect uh, situation and the, and, and the perfect scenario to see that there's hope in the midst of hopelessness. Verse 26 says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were loosed. So through prayer, God shakes things up. Make a note. Through prayer, God shakes things up. I've been I've been I've been talking about it for for the whole year in January. God put it on our hearts to pray and fast every Sunday morning, have our first meal after service, praying and fasting. And then, look, Paul and Silas prayed. Things got shaken up. We've been praying and fasting since January. And you have to say since January uh, 2020 has been, if it's nothing else, has been shaken up. It's taken us out of our comfort zone. Even it's, it's, it's tried to seem a, a bit hopeless at times, but we know that it all, there's always hope in the midst of hopelessness. We've been praying and fasting and singing praises to God since the first Sunday in January. God is shaking things up. With them, God shook things up with the earthquake with us. He's shaking it up with the virus and civil unrest and an election year. God's shaking it up. Then the question asks, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to run to God? Are you going to stay hopeful through Jesus Christ in the midst of hopelessness? What are you going to do? Just look around at the world today. When 2020 started, family, which is now 10 months ago, no one knew we would be like this in October, but God, all right? Think about it, when we were singing Happy New Year on January 1, when that clock struck one past midnight, we had no idea in October we would be where we are, but God knew. And then God wants to rescue and liberate those of us who would choose to run to him today, praising, worshiping, Petitioning, petitioning God and praying. It sets you and I free. Let me say it again. Praying and worshiping and petitioning. God sets us free. It liberates us through Jesus Christ family. And, and, and I can't tell you, uh, I can't make it any more plain than that. That's where we got to trust God. Psalms 119, 163 and 164. David says, because I'm in love with God, I will praise him seven times a day. See, we, we got to step our game up. 
David says, because I love God, I'm in love with God. I will praise him seven times a day. We've got to be grateful. We've got to be thankful. We've got to run to God. Here's Paul and Silas in the midst of it, and they're living that. Paul and Silas, they sing the great Hillel. That is Psalms 119, Psalms 118, Psalms 145. They're singing it. They're living it. So in the midst of them being in a hopeless situation, they start praising God. God shakes things up. Family, make a note in the midst of anything that looks hopeless. Your kids, your family, your siblings, your marriage, your singleness, whatever, your job, your career, your ministry, your life. Start singing and worshiping God. Don't be self-conscious. Get to being God conscious and trusting God. Let God shake it up. You've been working too hard, carrying stuff that wasn't meant for you to carry because you haven't surrendered it to God. Let God shake it up. Give it to God. Praise, worship God and give it to God. Look at verse 27. It says that the jailer, the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So here's the jailer. That night, he's on guard. He has a family, which we'll see, which we've read. He has a family. He has a wife. He has kids. He has a household. And things seem to be going very well. And all he has to do is watch the prisoners who are chained up in an inner prison in the stocks. They're not going anywhere. His life seems to be okay. Then in the middle of mid at the midnight, it shifts. At midnight, it shifts. And now he's hopeless because he thinks that the prisoners have escaped. He goes from hopeful to hopeless. In just a matter of minutes and to the point that he's going to take his life. Paul and Silas in, in the midst of hopelessness, they're singing praises. The jailer in the midst of hopelessness, he's thinking about committing suicide. Both in hopeless situations. Two stark contrasts, two stark differences. What's the difference? Jesus Christ. Now, the jailer, he understood that if his prisoners were to escape, uh, that he would be killed because it happened to his comrades, his colleagues in Acts chapter 12. Let's take it. Let's put it in context why he was so hopeless just like that. Look at Acts 12 and verse one. And we can see another hopeless situation but is hopeful in Jesus Christ in Acts 12. Make a note, now we're talking the power of prayer. Push the share button, uh, Facebook family. You do wanna share this because we have so many of our friends and family on Facebook, I don't care what they're posting. We know that a lot of them are in the midst of hopelessness. That behind the smiles and the post are really cries and, 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 and heartbreaks and depression and oppression and desperation. And we have the key. We have the we we have the cures right here is Jesus Christ in the word of God. Push the share button. They need to hear a message like this this morning. Acts 12 and one, the background on this family, they're in the midst of a famine. We're in the midst of a pandemic. They're in the midst of a famine. And in the midst of a famine, you have the enemy killing Christians. Look at Acts 12 and one It says now about that time, underline time. Make a note, we, we, we serve a God of, of detail, specifics, order, and timing. So here they are. Think about this. Here's, here's, the, here's the situation there. And talk about hopelessness. We're in the midst of a famine. 
And then you got the enemy that's killing Christians. Those of us that are taking a stand for Jesus Christ. Uh, those of us that are they're practicing Christians, the followers of Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's, that seems like a hopeless situation. But look at it, it says now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to harass certain of the church. Verse two, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword in the middle of a famine. You got the enemy using the king to kill Christians. And it says certain ones <laughs> make a note. It was not all of them, but it was certain ones. And sometimes you feel like, God, why am I going through God? Why is this happening? It's a certain time. There is hope in the midst of hopelessness, but then there's a certain time, right? It's a certain time. It, God, is it my time uh, for the enemy to harass me? <laughs> it, it, God, is it, is, is, it, is it your time? for the enemy to harass you. Even in the midst of the pandemic, the enemy doesn't care. His job is to steal, kill, and destroy. They're in the midst of a famine. He doesn't care. He's trying to kill the Christians. God, is it my time? So don't, don't always look at it. God, did I do, is it because I'm not doing this? Is it because I'm doing, it? sometimes it's just your time and it's certain ones. It's the sovereignty of God, but it happens for God's glory. <sighs> Unfortunate for James, he was killed and he just transitioned to be right with Jesus Christ. Because he was a disciple of Christ, he was in Christ. So he was transitioning right to glory. He's the brother of, of John, John, who wrote the book of Revelation. John, who wrote, who wrote John, who wrote first John is his brother. And he's killed. He's a disciple of Christ. And then look at verse three. And then here's Herod. He's 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 so deceived and he's uh, so influenced by Satan, because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter, to arrest Peter. Then were the days of unleavened bread. So look, he takes Peter. Peter's celebrating. It's in the days of the unleavened bread, which is the Passover. But we also know it's also the res celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ had been resurrected. So we know this is at least a year after Christ has been resurrected because they're celebrating the Passover. And so then here's Peter celebrating the Passover in the midst of celebrating. He's thrown into a hopeless situation. Make a note of that. It doesn't dis discriminate. It's a certain time for you and I to be harassed by the enemy. And it doesn't matter in the midst of a celebration. He doesn't care. Peter's celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you have Herod who's being influenced by the people. To kill Christians, he saw that it was it, it was it was popular with the people to clown, to, to, to kill, to arrest, to harass, to humiliate, to afflict Christians. Make a note, it's specific. James wouldn't stop preaching the word of God. That's why he was killed. He wouldn't deny Jesus Christ. That's why he was killed. So make a note, serving God is a sacrifice. We hope and pray that it doesn't come to that for us, but um, we know that there is a sacrifice. We have to die to self so that we can live for Christ. You'll never live for Christ if you haven't died to yourself. Make a note, it's a narrow, difficult road that leads to life with Christ, and there are some things we just have to say no to. 
James chose to say no to denying Christ, say no to compromise, say no to sin, and yes to living for Christ in paradise. As a practicing Christian, there are just some things that you and I have to say no to. Here's Herod, make a note, family, um, that God sees everything based on Psalms 119, 168. That's why Peter, he gets arrested because he's celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He knows that God sees everything. Um, so make a note that because of that, fight against the, the temptation. Here's Herod. He's trying to please the people. Family, we have to fight against the temptation to lead our life based on the approval of other people. Let me say it again. We got to fight against the temptation. We have to we have to lead our life that is, is well pleasing to God, that God would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Fight against the temptation to try and live our life based upon the approval of other people. God deliver us from the opinions of other people that influences our life to do things that we know is contrary to the word of God. Make a note, you and I will stand before Christ, not before the uh, uh, people or an audience of people. We will stand before Christ. And that's definitely made clear in the book of Matthew, chapter seven. Read the read the chapter seven. Very powerful. And Jesus says, many will stand before me. Jesus is the judge. <laughs> I believe that's 721 said in those days, many will stand before me. Jesus will judge us. God delivers from the opinions of other people. Other people who will use us and abuse us and confuse us. And when they're finished with us, they're going to lose us. Why am I trying to live my life to impress people like that and get their approval? As Herod is doing, he's going to die a terrible death, Herod is. Uh, we have to live our life that's well-pleasing to God. In the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of persecution, here is Peter being thrown in jail. Look at verse uh, verse three, it says, and because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to to take to seize Peter. Then were the days of unliving, unliving bread, the Passover, uh, the resurrection, Easter, uh, verse four. And when he had apprehended him, when he had arrested him, he put him in prison. Look at that. Peter's out celebrating just like that. Now he's in prison, harassed, seeing that J James has gotten killed and he's figured that's going to be his fate as well. From hope to hopelessness. But it's never make a note It's never. I don't care what the situation looks like. You look at Paul, you look at Silas, you look at the jailer, you look at James. Now you look at Peter. There's hope in the midst of hopelessness. Look at your life now, regardless of where you are. But look at this. Verse four. When he had arrested him, he put him in prison, delivered him unto four quaternions of soldiers. That's four uh, groups of four. And it's four of those. So 16 soldiers. Right. He did. Peter's not going to escape from this. It's hopeless. But look what his look what his plan is uh, to keep him. He put him in the midst of 16 soldiers, trained soldiers to keep him um, intending after Easter, come on now, after the resurrection, to bring him forth to the people and kill him just like he did James so the people can ooh and ah and say, way to go, king. 
So here's Peter in, in jail, in prison, guarded by 16 soldiers, well-trained soldiers. And so then it was just a thought, um, just a thought. Did, did Peter understand what was going on? Is it, what was Peter's uh, thought process? Um, at first I thought he was saying, well, maybe uh, he was saying, where's God now? God, where are you? God, how could you allow this to happen to me? God, where are you at now when I really need you? But I, I don't think Peter was saying that. Because based on Acts 1 and 3, make a note, based on Acts 1 and 3, Peter spent 40 days with Jesus Christ after he was resurrected. Let me say it again. Peter spent 40 days after the resurrection with Jesus Christ. And Christ was teaching him about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So I don't think Peter was saying, why am I here? Why is this going on? Peter was saying, Lord, you told me. And, and let's look, let's take a look at it. Let's go to uh, Matthew 24, verse 9. Let's go to Matthew 24 and verse 9, and we'll come back to this. Get Matthew 24. So I don't think Peter was saying, why is this happening to me? And family, we can't say, why is this happening to me? Because it's already been written. He says, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have to go through stuff in this world. So you can't be sitting around having a pity party talking about why is this happening to me and my life is hopeless right now. Not as a mature Christian, you got to understand. Look at uh, Matthew 24 and 9. He's talking to his disciples, which includes Peter. And I'm sure after he resurrected, he said, Peter, remember, I told you these things. And make a note, either he's guessing or either he's God. OK, either Jesus Christ is guessing that all these things are going to happen and look at it's happening in our world today. Either he's guessing or either he's God. And we know that he's God because he resurrected just like he said he would. Matthew 24, 9. He's telling Peter, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. And shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. <laughs> exactly what's happening in Acts chapter 12. So Peter's not sitting around saying, why is this happening to me? God, where are you now? He's saying, God, you told me it would be like this. And then when you resurrected, you continue to tell you continue, continue to tell me it would be like this. But you told me that the gospel has to be preached through the whole world to go out and preach the gospel in the midst of this, in the midst of hopelessness, share the hope of Jesus Christ with anyone who will listen every time you get the opportunity. So Peter's not sitting around having a pity party in the midst of his hopeless situation. He's saying, God, you said it would be like this. I'm going to trust you. And just like Paul and Silas, the prayer and the praise and the worship in the midst of hopelessness releases the bonds and the chains, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, through praise and worship through Jesus Christ. You have the formula, now use it. Blow out the candles on the pity party. Read the word of God. Understand it's all been written. And Jesus wasn't guessing, Jesus was God. So here we are, verse nine. Think about this. Oh, well, look at verse eight. He says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. So as we see our world falling apart, he says just the beginning is supposed to happen because it's been written like this. Verse nine, this shall deliver you up to be afflicted and you shall be killed and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Verse 10, 
And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Offended in Christ. It's hard to take a stand for Jesus Christ without getting clowned, without being told to shut up. You're a bigot. That's hate speech. Um, you have a young lady now who's who's running for the Supreme Court and they told her she's too much of a Christian. It's like and they didn't tell Ruth Bader Ginsburg she's too old. They wouldn't tell somebody you're too handicapped. They wouldn't say you're too this or you're too that. But they tell someone you're too Christian. Why? Because they're offended. It's been written. Don't be surprised. Stop sitting around saying, why is this happening? It's already been written. Get into your word. Find hope in the word. It's already been written. Oh, let's keep going. And verse 11, and many, underline many false prophets. Let me tell you what a false prophet is. Someone telling you that it's another way to heaven other than Jesus Christ. That's a false prophet. Jesus Christ said he's the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God is guaranteed by God. This is the word. It's not opinions. Remember, I'm not an activist. I'm not a politician. I'm a pastor. I'm giving you the word. Says many false prophets. Don't be surprised that people are talking all kind of things, and all type of solutions, and all type of uh, spiritual answers, but no, no foundation, no facts. Remember, a religion but we know we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We don't have a Christianity isn't a religion. It's a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But remember, a religion isn't isn't valid based on its followers is valid based on its founder who founded it. Jesus Christ founded Christianity when he resurrected on that third day and spent 40 days with his disciples speaking about the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Then he went to heaven and he before he left, he told them how to get there. And he said, I'm coming back for you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation of Christianity. Don't argue. Tell them, research the results of the resurrection and research the resurrection. That's what makes it valid. The founder, not the followers. Beware of false prophets. God has told us that. Don't be surprised that there's so many out there talking all types of things. Read your word. Get educated on the word of God. Verse 11, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. God help us. It's not surprising. They don't want to hear anything about Christianity because it's other things. There's so many other ways to God is what the false prophets will tell you. Jesus said, don't be surprised about that. Get into your word so you won't be deceived. Let me say that again. Many false prophets shall, shall rise and shall deceive many. God help us. It's a mass deception going on today. Family, get into the word, pray to the Holy Spirit so you can discern the deception. Strong delusion is what the Bible says. You got to get into the word. You got to stay close to God. Look at verse 12. And because iniquity, sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. It's iniquity is lawlessness, it's foolishness, it's hatred. All that is just going to increase. He said, people are just going to wax cold. People are just turn off. People are desensitized to stuff now. It's like, man, they don't even, it doesn't even phase them when they see some of the debauchery and, and treachery that goes on in, in society today. Either Jesus, how, how does Jesus know this? Either he's guessing or he's God. We know he's God. But look what he says, verse 13. But those that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So underline endure. We got to persevere. We got to stay focused on God. We got to keep reading. We got to keep praying. We got to keep fasting. We got to keep hope. 
hoping through Christ. We got to keep loving. We got to keep sharing the Great Commission. Go out and teach and make disciples. We have to. We got to endure. Those are the ones that will be saved. Those are the ones that's trusting Jesus Christ with all their heart. Those are the ones that should be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then we're working not to be saved. We're working because we are saved and we're working sharing Jesus Christ with others. Verse 14. Come on, Jesus. Speak the word. Verse 14. And this gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations. And then the end shall come. He said everybody has to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You always have somebody want to want to pull out their back pocket. But what about the people in, in India, whoever in Africa, never, Africa or some village who never heard about Jesus Christ? Number one, you're trying to say that God isn't fair as if God's trying to get us, trying to trying to send people to hell. No, we make that choice ourselves. So God is fair. God is just. And he says right here to everybody will have the opportunity to receive Christ, we'll have the opportunity to hear about the good news of the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when that happens, he said, then the end is going to come. That's when I'm coming back. So make a note, God is fair. So I don't think Peter's sitting in jail saying, why is this happening to me? I don't think you should be sitting at home trying to figure out why are we in the midst of a pandemic when God has already told us in, the, in his word that in the last days, these things shall happen, diseases and violence and everything. You shouldn't be sitting around trying to figure out what's going on. Get in your word. You know what's going on. Run to God. Ask God. Then you know what's going on. Let's go back and, and finish up today uh, in Acts 12. And we'll stop where we stop and then we'll pick it up next week. But look at what's happening in Acts 12. I love this. Verse four, Acts 12 and four. And when he had apprehended, when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quintarians of soldiers to guard him, intending after the resurrection or after Easter or after the Passover to bring him forth to the people and killing. But here we go. But God, here's the hope in the midst of hopelessness. Verse four. I'm sorry. Verse five. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Underline, but prayer. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the midst of hopelessness, you got prayer. It's your lifeline to God. Use it. It's probably the most underused weapon that we have. We're not even praying. Make a note. What is it? Second Chronicles 714. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, <clears throat> would humble themselves and pray. It, that's how it starts. And he says, then seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive sins and heal the land. It's a formula for healing, for revival. But it starts off if my people would humble themselves and pray. You can, if you can't humble yourself and pray, how can you can connect to God? Remember, that's pride. Pride got Satan kicked out of heaven. And pride is what's going to keep you and I from getting into heaven because we can't humble ourselves and pray. And that's the formula that God has given us in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. And then you're trying to say, well, well, I've done so much wrong that God could never forgive me. I can't pray. I can't. That's that's upside down pride. God's forgiven you, but you can't forgive. Not that you can forgive yourself, but you, got, you can't stop condemning yourself 
That's a, that's a form of pride. Humble yourself and pray. And God said, I'll forgive you. If you confess your sins, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Humble yourself and pray. That's where it starts. That's where the healing starts. That's where the victory starts. Verse five. But Peter was kept in prison, but prayer. Come on, somebody. So I, that's why we've been praying and fasting. That's why we get up every morning and pray and fast before we have our first meal. That's why I'm encouraging you get into the Proverbs, get into the Psalms, get into the word every morning, because it's not hopeless when you're praying and seeking God. God is turning things around just like he did for Paul and Silas. Late in the midnight hour, he turned it around. Watch how he's going to turn it around for Peter. Verse five, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Lord, for a church. That's why you need to have a church home. Let them know what's going on in your life so they can pray for you, just like they're doing for Peter. They're praying without ceasing by the church, the called out ones, the children of God, the disciples of God, the practicing Christians. Prayer is made by them. And God answers that prayer. Thank God for the church. Thank God for prayer in the midst of hopelessness. Send that email to life at southbayalc.com and let us pray for you in the midst of your hopeless situation so God can give you hope and God can move in your life. Pray for yourself. Get your church family praying for you as well. The power of prayer, the word of God, the power of prayer in the midst of a hopeless situation. But, but let me read verse five again. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Thank God that we can pray for one another. Pray for your leaders, pray for yourself, pray for your spouse, pray for your kids, pray for your grandkids, your siblings, your parents. Stop complaining and start praying and watch God work. You got to trust God. You got to commit to God. Stop leaning to your own understanding. I don't care how hopeless it looks. Prayer changes things. And you refuse to humble yourself and pray. And that's why you don't see the healing and the forgiveness and turning from your wicked ways. You refuse to do it. And that's why. And stop blaming God. That's on you. The if is on us. If my people, if you confess your sins, the if is on us. God's always doing his part. The if is on me and you. Jesus told the and, and um. Mark chapter nine, he told the guy, if you could believe, if you only believe, at least he had enough sense to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God help. Jesus said, if is on you, <laughs> don't tell me, he told Jesus, if you can do anything, Jesus said, stop right there. If you can only believe the if is on you and I, God's going to do his part. Verse six, I love this. And when Herod would have brought him forth right at the last minute, Right at the midnight hour, right when it looks like it's going to get worse. Right when Herod was going to kill him and take him out and, and have the people singing and shouting because he's killing another Christian. Verse six. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to say the rapper to you. I'm not going to say that. But he was sleeping bound with two chains. And the guards before the door kept the prison. He's, he's sleeping in between two guards, chained up, doubly chained up. You got people watching the door and he's sleeping and it's hopeless. And this is the night before Herod's going to kill him. He's not going anywhere. 
But verse seven, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. Make a note. Amen. Make a note. God can shine the light. The light of God can shine in the midst of a prison. Oh, my gosh. In the midst of hopelessness, the light of God can shine, can shine bright. It can spring forth. Come on, family, understand this. Paul and Silas hopeless, singing praises. The jailer was hopeless. Peter's hopeless right now. But the light of God shines forth in the prison. In your prison, as you're in bondage, whether it's to drugs or alcohol or sex or, or money or greed or, or whatever it is, you can, you can see the light of God shine forth in the midst of that hopelessness, but you got to run to God. You got to confess that sin. You got to give it to God. It's not hopeless unless you're not praying. It's the only time it becomes hopeless. Regardless of the situation, prayer, regardless of circumstance, commit your life to a, a non-ceasing life of prayer. It's power in prayer. Trust God. Let me say this because it's written. It says, read this. So I got to read this. It says, uh, uh, it says, trust God and wait patiently. Sometimes we want to trust, but we, we're waiting anxiously. Wait patiently. Trust God. Wait patiently. Pray. Praise. Bless God. In the midst of your situation and your circumstance and your bondage, our relationship with God can't be based on emotions, feelings, position, location, situations, conditions, circumstances, or people. Let me say that again. Our relationship with God as a believer, as a practicing Christian, as a disciple of God. It can't be based on emotions, feelings, your position, your title, your location. Peter's in jail and the light shines forth. Situations, conditions circumstances or people it has to be based on God himself it has to be based on trust commitment and surrendering your life to the will of God regardless of what is going on what the sacrifice is and what it will cost you regardless of those things you got to stay committed to God you got to stay humble you, you got to stay committed to prayer we receive so much more by being in Christ than we do by being outside of Christ or outside of the will of Christ. Let me say it again. Despite what it looks like and how hopeless it might look in Christ, we receive so much more by being in Christ and in the will of Christ as opposed to being outside of the will of God and outside of the will of Christ. God shows up in verse six. God shows up in the midnight hour once again. Looks like a hopeless situation. Family, keep praying. Don't give up. Keep praying for your family, your friends, your children, your siblings, your co-workers, your boss, your parents, your church, your ministry, your pastor, 
Your leaders, keep praying for this country. Don't give up. I don't care how hopeless it looks. Keep praying. God says, if my people, I'm talking to the mature Christians now, if my people, the if is on us, it's not hopeless. There's plenty of hope in Jesus Christ, as we see right here. Stop listening to the noise and the news and the conspiracy theories and the naysayers and the enemy. Fall in love with the word of God and stand on the word of God. Stop listening to the lies of the enemy. As David said in Psalms 119.63, he hates the lies of the enemy, but he's fallen in love with the word of God. Make a note, Psalms 119.163. And that's you and I, that's our stance. I hate the lies of the enemy, but I've fallen in love with the word of God. And I'm standing on it because the word of God is guaranteed by God. Look at verse 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shone in the prison. He tapped Peter on the shoulder. Let God, let the light of God, let the Holy Spirit of God tap you on the shoulder. Let God touch you today. Give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Let God touch your heart today in the midst of your hopeless situation. It's not hopeless. Humble yourself. Surrender. Let God touch your situation. Let him start with your heart and your mind. God comes right in the midst of all that, all that bondage. I don't care with 16 well-trained soldiers. God came in chains and everything else. God in a prison. God came right in the midst of that. With a touch. Let God come right in the midst of your situation now. Keep praying. God can touch that situation and bring hope to the hopelessness of the situation. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shone in the prison and he touched Peter on the side. God, touch us on the side today. Give us hope. And he raised him up, saying, get up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Get up quickly. Blow out the, the candles of the pity party and see you got to move quickly. Don't wait. Don't tarry. Get up, move quickly. God is saying, get up. Let me touch your life. There's hope. Get up quickly. Don't wait. You're waiting on God. God's been waiting on you. Now get up quickly. You're waiting on God all this time and God's been waiting on you. <laughs> We're forgetting everything that's going on in this world today has been written. Make a note. I'm, I'm going to read these few notes and then we'll pick it up next week. God shows up. <laughs> Verse seven, it lets us know that God shows up. Verse six and seven, that God shows up. Verse seven, it says the angel of the Lord stood by Peter. I'm saying this morning, allow the Lord Jesus Christ to stand by you and in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of your darkest hour. Let God stand by you. God's been waiting. Remember, the if is on you. It's on me. God's there. God's position has never changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. His word has been erected in heaven. It's been established in heaven. That's Psalms 119. 89 Psalms 119 60 says God's word is guaranteed by God. It's not going to change. Just like he stood by Peter, the word says he's not a respecter of person, persons. If he stood by Peter, he'll stand by you and me. If he touched Peter, he'll touch you and I. 
If he tells us to get up quickly so the chains can fall off, then get up quickly. Let stuff go. Get up quickly and run to God. Allow God to stand by you this morning. God standing by us in our brightest moments and in our darkest hour, God is there. God is always on time. Make a note, he rescued Peter out of this, but then we do know that Peter was crucified upside down in Rome because he wouldn't stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But this wasn't his time. This wasn't a time for Peter to go. We don't know when our time is coming, but we do know we can trust God and we will transition to be with him. Regardless of what the situation looks like when it's time, God knows. But this wasn't that time. And you don't know what your time is, but what you do know is that the light can shine bright because Jesus is the light of the world. God can touch you and God can deliver you and your chains and your bondage can fall off. If you act quickly. So let me pause right here. One last thing I want to say before I pause right here. Um, the light of the the light of the world can shine in prison. The light of the world can shine in America through us. In this world through us. And it is the, the different missionaries and 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 ministries we support that go all around the world. The light of the of Christ who's the light of the world is shining through us. Make a note, Matthew 5, 16, he said, Jesus passed us the baton. and said, let your light so shine. Family, even in the midst of hopelessness, let your light shine. It's not about you and I, it's about what God can do through the Holy Spirit and through the power of prayer. We got to get out of the way. The if is on you and me. We got to be humble. We got to pray. We got to seek God's face. We got to turn from our wicked ways. We got to let sin go. We got to say no to sin and yes to God and yes to Christ in paradise. And when we fall, we got to confess that sin. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. Stop condemning yourself. Blow out the candles on the pity party. The word's already been written. This is how it's going to be. There's hope in Christ. Get out and share the good news of the gospel with anyone who will listen. It's not about perfection. It's about practice. God is everywhere with the light shining in prison. It lets us know God is everywhere. In the midst of the bondage, God is everywhere. The light of God can shine in the midst of your darkest situation and circumstances. Let's leave with this one based on verse seven. The light of God can shine in the midst of your darkest situations and circumstances. And the rest we will pick up next week. Let us pray Bow your head. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. God, as we've been walking around looking at the situation, walking by sight and not faith, that's why we're falling apart. That's why we're we're hopeless. Because we're looking at the wrong thing, we have to readjust our lens and look at our situation through a biblical lens. The light of God can shine anywhere. There's hope in the midst of hopelessness. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life. Prayer changes things. If we would humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways. 
then God will hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal the land. The if is on us. Forgive us, God, for for complaining and pointing fingers at other people and trying to blame others for where we are in life. As mature Christians, the if is on us. So we confess that sin. We ask for forgiveness and we thank you, Lord, for that there is hope in the midst of hopelessness. God, let us start praying for our family members and our spouse and our kids and our parents and our boss and our co-workers and, and the leadership of this country. Our pastors, our, our ministers, our churches. God, let us start praying for one another and stop talking about each other. Forgive us, Lord, for forgetting your word. These things must come to pass. Give us the ability to, to discern the deception of the false prophets, God. Let us get into your word. Anything that doesn't line up with your word, God, we understand it's a false prophecy as it leads to eternal life. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us stand on it. Let us reach out to the world, to the lost. Paul and Silas didn't get upset with the jailer. They reached out to him because he needed to be saved. He was part of the systemic oppression and systemic sin. And they reached out to him because he needed to be saved because that's the mission of Jesus Christ. And that should be our mission. To seek and to save those that are lost. Let us not get caught up in the world system. Let us get caught up in the word. In the power of prayer. Serving our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord, and we bless you and we thank you. Now let us go on and live, Lord. Let us live this. Let us pray without ceasing. Let us pray for others. That's what we can do daily. The if is on us. Thank you for your word this morning, Lord. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. And just one last prayer. I wanted two last prayers. I'll pray and dismiss us. But before that, I want to pray. Maybe someone you're and someone invited you to the, to the Zoom or invited you to Facebook and they shared it and you caught this part. And you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm searching. I'm, I'm in a hopeless situation. I really need the hope of Christ in my life. It's really simple. God's not complicated. We complicate things. The word of God said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever asks Jesus Christ to come into their heart and rescue them and save them shall be rescued. You don't have to do anything but ask God to come into your heart. And then once God comes into your heart, then the Holy Spirit and the word of God and people will teach you those that are, are are skilled in the word of God, those that are followers of Christ, those that are living the word. They can teach you how to apply the word to your life. But that's after you're saved. What you need to do now, if you've never, never accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, just repeat these words after me. Dear Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for resurrecting on that third day. Thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins. Thank you for cleaning me up because I couldn't clean myself up. Right now, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. 
Take over my life, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me, lead me, guide me, and teach me to be the person that you created me to be. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you're, you're watching and say, Pastor, I need to rededicate my life, it's really simple. The word says, if we, conf if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So ask God to forgive you of your sins. You don't lose your salvation. You can break fellowship with God because of sin. But you, if you've accepted Christ, you, you're saved. But you should be living for God. You can break fellowship and it seems lonely and you can be out there on your own and dealing with the consequences of that. But it doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you're struggling. But go on and confess that sin, run to God, get back in the, in the word. After you confess your sin, you would ask God, what was the last sin I committed? He said, I don't remember because God doesn't keep record like that because love doesn't keep score. Satan does. People do. But God doesn't confess that sin, run to God and then start practicing daily to live for God. That's how you start. And that's the process of rededication. So, Lord, we just want to. Just thank you for this morning. Um, thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. God, in the midst of hopelessness, there's always hope. God, thank you for that. Um, we love you for that, Lord. So just want to go in and close out. If you have a prayer request, uh, prayer need, uh, praise report, life at southbayalc.com. Send us an email. Let us pray for you. As we've just seen how the, the church changed things and make a note of it, Acts 12 and 5. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. That's what the church, that's part of the, the church's mission is to pray for others without ceasing. We have a team of people that's praying all the time. But we don't know if you don't email us and let us know. That's life at southbayalc.com so that we can pray for you just like they did here. And then we'll watch and, and let God turn your situation around as you wait patiently in due season. At the right time, God's going to turn it around. And then I want to encourage you to come out for Bible study. Uh, just, just a great time in the Word. This Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30, we'll be in 1 Kings chapter 5. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter. Would love for you to join us. And then once again, thank you for your giving. It's just been, been a blessing so we can share this word with the world. This type of teaching with the world. Bringing hope through Jesus Christ to the world because of your giving. So we're just grateful and thankful. Be praying. That's the mandate. Be praying for South Bay Abundant Life Church, for the leadership of the church, for the for the leadership of the country, be praying for your family members, for your for your co-workers, for your boss, for your spouse, for your siblings. Be praying in your singleness that God will keep you as a single, that you will be more concerned with 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 spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you have that opportunity and the time to do it. So so the mandate is prayer. And then next Sunday, we'll be praying and fasting until after service. 
And then we'll leave the details to God. Make a note. Leave the details to God. And sleep well at night in God. Love you. Thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to seeing you Wednesday night and then again Sunday. Lord, we thank you that you've come to give us life and that more abundantly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, family. I love you. And I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. And then remember for the members, the Sunday fun day this evening at five. Look forward to seeing you then. God bless you.